Well, hello there. It's a good night indeed, but we're still going strong here at KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay. I am your host now tonight. Thank you to Will and Leela as always. That was a vintage episode of Less Rock, More Talk. And wasn't it wonderful to go back in time with them? But now it is time to spill some rubies, because as Clarissa Pincola Estes once said, to create, one must be willing to be stone stupid, to sit upon a throne on top of a donkey and spill rubies from one's mouth. Tonight I'm flying solo, and since Thanksgiving is just around the corner, this is my special no Thanksgiving episode. What could I possibly mean by this? Stay tuned, won't you? Thankful are my friends with remorse 
do I mean by no thanksgiving? Once upon a time, I was a dutiful daughter, and I showed up where I was told to show up, and I smiled when I was told to smile, and I ate when I was supposed to eat, and I did not speak up, and I did not ever make my true needs known. Then one year, Thanksgiving was looming, and with every passing day, my anxiety was increasing and increasing and increasing until I felt like my head was going to pop right off. And then I realized, I am truly thankful and express my gratitude every single day. What if I decided that this year, Thanksgiving will be no thanksgiving? One day a year that I get to just say, I love you, but no thanks. I don't want to come over for dinner tonight. You are very special to me, but no thanks. I don't want to go shopping with you on the busiest day of the year. You are an amazing person, but no thanks. I don't want to spend four hours at your house while your kids scream and there's nothing I can eat because you forgot about my food allergies. It took me 35 years to figure out that I can just say, no thanks. And now, I don't just let myself say no thanks once a year. I get to say it whenever I need to. As long as I keep it balanced with gratitude and expressing my thankfulness whenever I feel it, we can authentically say no thanks when we can authentically say thank you.
on the Rhine, the Parthenon and moments on the Hudson River line. How lovely it was. Thanks for the memory of rainy afternoons, swingy Harlem tunes, and motor trips and burning lips and burning toast and prunes.
And you are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay. KWTF is supported by Stan Roy Music Center and a grant from the Redwood Justice Fund. KWTF relies on listeners like you to stay afloat. I am amazed at how much this radio station can stretch a dollar. Truly DIY, truly community programmed by all volunteers in your own Sonoma County. In the past, when I've donated money to various organizations, I'm never really sure where it's going to go. You know, it can be eaten, the whole thing could be eaten up by administrative costs. And I want to tell you that there's no fear of that happening here. KWTF literally uses every single penny you donate to make this station better. So even if you can just give $10 a month, that would be huge for us. So consider becoming a member and making that monthly donation. You can sign up with PayPal or a credit card, and it's so easy. It just takes it out of your account. You don't even have to think about it. And then you can feel really good about yourself because you're doing a really huge thing with your money. I mean, really, like the return is a phenomenal. So visit kwtf.net today and become a member. Uh, it's so easy, and it just makes a huge difference. And I honestly think you'll feel so good when you do it. So do it. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say. Stand up and take a bow And if you threw a party Invited everyone you knew Well you would see the biggest gift would be for me And the card attached would say Thank you for being a friend Thank you for being a friend a car you like I'd surely buy you a Cadillac whatever you need any time of the day and night I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way my hat is off won't you stand up and take a bow for being a friend. I want to thank you. Thank you for being 
Each time I see a little girl of five or six or seven, I can't resist a joyous urge to smile and say thank heaven. For little girls, for little girls get bigger every day. Thank heaven for little girls. They grow up in the most delightful way. Those little eyes so helpless and appealing One day will flash and send you crashing through the ceiling Thank heaven for little girls Thank heaven for them all, no matter where, no matter who Without them what would little boys do? Thank heaven, thank heaven Thank heaven for little and appealing One day will flash and send you crashing through the ceiling Thank heaven for little girls Thank heaven for them all No matter where, no matter who Without them what would little boys do Thank heaven Thank heaven Thank heaven for leaving. 
song was my uh, only political commentary uh, today. I know a lot has happened, but um, I'm not prepared to talk about it live on the air yet. There's still a lot of uh, reading and listening and thinking I have to do. Now, along with Thanksgiving, we have also thoroughly entered fall. I love this time of year, and I think the Jews got it right. This is a time of new beginnings, and the fall really feels like the new year beginning to me. I love the rain when it comes. Hope we get more soon. And I love that the days are getting darker and more cozy. And along with that darkness comes death. We celebrate it with Halloween, also known as Samhain, We celebrate it with the Day of the Dead, and it's no coincidence that those holidays fall right at the beginning of fall. Fall is a time of death and decay, and there's no animal on earth that signifies that more for me than the vulture. Living where I do, we see vultures every single day, and I always marvel at them. Not only do I find them really beautiful with their cartoonishly ugly faces and huge wings, but they literally live on dead things. I mean, how magical is that? And according to a recent article I read on the NPR website, science doesn't really know how they live on dead things. They have lots of theories, but none of them quite work out, and that's because vultures have a little bit of the magic in them. They walk the line between death and life, between shadow and light. In this time of unrest and death and impending darkness, I really revel in the beauty and majesty of these birds. On my way to the post office today, I pulled over and watched them eat a raccoon that had been hit by a car. They demolished that body and then sat chatting to each other as the wind ruffled their feathers. They were beautiful in the midst of total decaying death. 
And I really needed to see that today. In death, there is always life. And in life, there is always death.
are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay. And I know I said I wasn't going to get political, but uh, I have a little extra time here at the end of the show. And since today was such an intense day for America, uh, I did want to just share with you a very short excerpt from an excellent article called The Unseen Jury, The Ideology and Psychology of Institutionalized Racism. It's by Okla Elliott, and you can find it on stirjournal.com. That's S-T-I-R journal.com. It's a pretty long article. It's really worth reading. Uh, And I just want to read a little excerpt. Uh, She's talking, or Okla, actually, I don't know if Okla is male or female, is talking about, um, well, philosophy, really. Uh, So I'm quoting now. Simone de Beauvoir's lifelong partner and intellectual collaborator, Jean-Paul Sartre, has a useful concept for us. Bad faith. Bad faith is not precisely lying to oneself, but rather an act of quasi-unconscious self-deception. To offer a mundane example, imagine a college student who knows she should study for an exam scheduled for early tomorrow morning, but she also wants to go to a party tonight where all her friends will be. Instead of fully admitting the consequences of going to the party, she instead looks away from the consequences she knows will follow from her actions. This is not an elaborate process of conscious rationalization, but rather allowing a blind spot to cover what should be plainly seen. This is why it is only quasi-unconscious. When we exhibit bad faith, we see the actuality of the situation, but only briefly. Then we quasi-choose not to think about it anymore. I argue that the most pervasive form of racism today has a psychological structure similar to Sartrean bad faith. We notice for a fleeting instant our internalized racist prejudices, but then we will ourselves We will ourselves to unsee these prejudices, allowing us to pretend we are not participants in racist ideology and behavior. To avoid bad faith requires a kind of situational concentration not usually practiced by even the most vigilant among us. We must all cultivate this attentive practice, paying special attention to all of the quasi-unconscious aspects of our interior lives. To reference a different philosophical tradition, this is akin to what Buddhist philosophers call mindfulness. Here's how UC Berkeley's Greater Good Project defines mindfulness. Mindfulness means maintaining a moment-by-moment awareness of our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, and surrounding environment. Bear with me for one more concept from psychology we need to keep in mind as we try to concoct a cure for the ideological illness of racism. Confirmation bias. Briefly defined, confirmation bias is the tendency to favor data that confirms our already held positions or to notice those things most opportune for us or most connected to us. A mundane example, when I was admitted to graduate school at Ohio State University, I began seeing OSU sports shirts and bumper stickers everywhere. Of course, the number of these items did not increase magically because I'd just been admitted to the school. Rather, since OSU had become salient to my own life, I was attuned to noticing anything associated with the university. 
Another example, when a list of facts about a topic, racism, for example, is presented, people will tend to recall those facts that confirm their already held positions. The very process of memory formation is conditioned by confirmation bias, which plays a major role in testimony and court rulings. Decisions ranging from whom to hire to whom to shoot are likewise conditioned by confirmation bias. And then I will skip to the conclusion of this article. There is an unseen jury at the periphery of our minds, and it hands down more verdicts than we may be capable of knowing. It is nonetheless incumbent upon us to try to bring it to the fore of our minds and to reduce the ubiquitous and insidious damage it does to so many in our society. So again, that was quoting the excellent article, The Unseen Jury, The Ideology and Psychology of Institutionalized Racism by Okla, O-K-L-A, Elliot, with two L's and two T's. And you can find that on stirjournal.com.
Well, that's it, folks. Another episode of Spilling Rubies has come and gone. But never fear. We'll be back Tuesday at 8 p.m. And in the meantime, you can always stay connected with us, including listening to past episodes, by finding us on SpillingRubies.com. Find us on Twitter at Spilling Rubies, and we're also on Facebook. Just search for Spilling Rubies, and we'll show up. All episodes are archived on Mixcloud and iTunes, so you can always find us there, too. So thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to become a member of KWTF. Just visit kwtf.net and sign up for a monthly membership. It's easy, and it's so hugely helpful for us. Uh, You're having that monthly money coming in, even if it's just 10 bucks. 10 bucks from 10 people adds up, doesn't it? It does. So we'll see you next week. Hang in there, everybody. We can get through this.